The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day, good day, and welcome to the Genesis Zone Show. For me, this is the second time I've welcomed you to the show because guess what? I forgot to press the go live button and I was sitting here talking and talking and talking and realized, oh my gosh, I'm not live. Anyway, this is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy Thursday to join us on today's show. Uh, Have you ever had hamster wheel thinking? Uh, You know what I'm talking about. It's the kind of thoughts that you can't quite seem to shake. The ones that circle endlessly in your brain, driving you crazy. And in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the latest research on psilocybin's effect on these types of thoughts and what you can do about it. Now, first off, I'm going to start with a story uh, about me, uh, some uh, little known facts uh, that, uh, quite frankly, I think will surprise most of my listening audience. Uh, only if you're really close family do you know this about me. Uh, when I was in high school, I competed in cattle shows for about three years. Now, growing up in an agricultural and and mostly cattle raising community in North Mississippi, it was just kind of the thing you did when you were growing up. So for those that aren't familiar with the concept of cattle shows, it's where uh, a young person, a, a teenager is usually partnered with a large cattle farm to show their prize livestock and competitions. And what this does is it gives the farm um, ad for free advertising for their, their good breeding stock uh, that they have on hand. And, uh, and it, it improves business for them. Now, it's, so it all kind of boils down to animal husbandry 101. Now, mind you, all of this occurred to me during the 80s before those big, uh, dare, dare I say, inhumane concrete uh, livestock yards made it on the scene. In fact, at that particular time, all of our cattle were free range cattle. Um, in fact, to this day, because of growing up like that, I will not eat any other uh, protein, animal protein, other than free range protein because it tastes so much better. Now, apologies for any offense to any vegans out there or any vegetarians, but just is what it is. A lot of the world eats protein, animal protein. And I will have to say from experience that free range protein is best. But anyway, um, preparing for a show when you're when you're a teenager um, means that the the livestock that you're taking care of lives in some pretty posh conditions. Okay, you bathe this animal every single day. You feed it three times a day. And and I'm not talking about a a two pound chicken. I'm talking about an eleven hundred pound cow. You bathe it every day. You feed it three times a day. You give it special attention. You exercise the animal every day, uh, twice a day. And you teach the animal, you work with the animal on, on how to stand in a particular show stance uh, for the big day of the competition. Now, I actually have some pretty funny stories about being knocked flat on my butt by being headbutted by cows and bulls uh, and being kicked by cows and bulls and even being dragged on the ground when my 1,100 pound friend uh, decided to run instead of walk. Um 
but those experiences taught me a lot. I learned a lot about responsibility and I learned a lot about patience during that time. But I learned more about biology. Now, don't let your mind go where I think your mind is going. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm bringing it around to today's point. I recall the first time that I learned the word rumination and what uh, rumination actually meant. It has to do with ruminant animals. You see an animal that has multiple chambers in its stomach and chews on its cud as a ruminant animal. This includes uh, cows and goats and sheep, bison, deer, elk, uh, just to name a few. Now, you may be wondering, where am I going with this? Well, as I mentioned in today's title, we're talking about hamster wheel thinking. Now, the fancy term for this in psychiatry and in psychology is, you guessed it, ruminating thoughts. Think about that for a minute. A cow chews on its cud, we chew on our thoughts. That's where that comes from, ruminating thoughts. I like to call it hamster wheel thinking. You know, it's easier for people to get that image in their head. Um, and you know the kind of thinking I'm talking about. You may have even had some of these types of thoughts at some point in your life. Now, the type of thoughts uh, you chew on all day long uh, are, are the ones that are ruminating thoughts, and you can't quite seem to get them out of your head. In fact, when you have ruminating thoughts, they literally drive you batty, uh, kind of like one of those weird songs that you've heard years ago, maybe even when you were a childhood, and it pops into your head and it plays on repeat over and over all day long, torturing you like it's literally torture to have that song playing over and over in your head. And you're thinking, how can I get rid of this? And it just won't go away, usually probably until you go to sleep and wake up the next day and then it's gone. But seriously, though, people who struggle with depression or anxiety, they quite often have these ruminating or hamster wheel type thoughts. It's even a question I ask people when I'm when I'm trying to determine whether they have depression or anxiety. I'll ask them, do you have thoughts that roll over and over in your head, uh, kind of like uh, your thoughts are on a hamster wheel? Um, and the weird thing is, is that hamster wheel thinking can feed anxiety. It can feed anger and it can feed into sadness, making them worse. It just has a tendency to perpetuate any downward spiral that you're already on. Now, hamster wheel thoughts can also keep you awake at night. Uh, this is especially true when you have a major event in your life that has happened or is about to happen that's got you a little worried, a little sideways, a little twisted, and you don't have to be clinically depressed or anxious to experience it. So most everybody understands hamster wheel thinking. Um, now, specifically, I'm talking clinically at this point. Uh, since we're on the same page now with what hamster wheel thinking is, let's talk about the most recent study related to psilocybin and these ruminant or hamster wheel thoughts. Back in November of last year, in, in my episode titled Psilocybin versus Antidepressants, I mentioned the following study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, at that time, it was the first of its kind comparing the effectiveness of antidepressants uh, or an antidepressant called Lexapro to the effectiveness of psilocybin. Now, if you recall, Lexapro is the gold standard. It's the golden child antidepressant of big pharma. 
and they were comparing this to psilocybin. And here's what the researchers said. Uh, this trial did not show a significant difference in antidepressants effects between psilocybin and Lexapro or escitalopram. But as I pointed out, the study was flawed. They compared daily doses of the most advanced and most effective gold standard antidepressant, Lexapro, to just two doses of psilocybin on day one and day 21. Now, 30 doses of an antidepressant compared to two doses of psilocybin, not really a fair fight when you consider that the average microdosing regimen for somebody that struggles with depression is actually taking a microdose every third day. Okay. So it's not a fair fight at all. And, and it wasn't really fair for them to say that, oh, there was no significant difference in antidepressant effects between psilocybin and, and, and Lexapro. Well, it helped them make their case for sure. Uh, yet amazingly, the results were equal. Okay. So think about that. We've got two doses of psilocybin, 30 doses of Lexapro, and the results were equal, but they're downplaying it like, oh, it's no big deal. Uh, it allowed the researchers to say that psilocybin doesn't really work. It doesn't work any better than Lexapro. Do you see the flaw here? Anyway, that was our, our introduction into the world of psilocybin compared to antidepressants, much less the golden child of antidepressants for big pharma. And it was the first of its first of its kind study. Now we actually have a great study that was recently published um, in the British Journal of Psychiatry that actually shows superiority of psilocybin over Lexapro in reducing specifically hamster wheel thinking by means of improved insight and ego dissolution. Don't get caught up in all of that. Those are big psychology terms. But in layman's terms, this means that those who took psilocybin versus those who took Lexapro were better able to process their thoughts in a therapy setting with the therapist and thus able to resolve them more quickly. Now, the people that took Lexapro, they didn't have any extra insight. They didn't have any extra ego dissolution. Now, when we say ego dissolution, that can kind of scare people sometimes because you think, oh, well, we actually do need our ego. Now, there's some people that have huge egos and they need to dial it down a little bit. But a lot of times our ego interferes with our ability to proceed forward in therapy, to think through solutions, um, because it stands in the way and says, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Nope, you're safe right here. This is familiar ground. We're going to stay on familiar ground. And what psilocybin does, uh, as, as evidenced through this study, it allows the ego to dissolve just enough, temporarily enough, so that the ego can step back and you can step forward and go, okay, no, we do need to do things differently. So that's what all that means in layman's terms. Now, all this, is, this study did not mention depression markers as part of their analysis. I can tell you from personal clinical experience of dealing with depressed and anxious people over the past 24 years of my career, that when a person who struggles with depression or anxiety begins to have reduced hamster wheel thinking, this is an excellent first sign of improvement in that mood or anxiety symptoms, okay? 
so I think it's really cool that scientists and researchers are actually beginning to look at it very objectively and saying, okay, what role does psilocybin play here? Why is it good for treating depression and anxiety? How does it work? And this is one of those ways that we see it actually helps with ruminating thoughts by allowing the person to be able to process through them a little bit better without the ego getting in the way. I hope that makes sense. If, if you have any questions about that, leave questions in the comment. I'll be glad to answer any, any questions that you have. Um, if you're stuck in the hamster wheel of thinking patterns that have, you know, kind of taken a toll on your emotional and physical well-being and you're over 40, um, you're not alone. Um, there are a lot of us out there that have had that, have dealt with it and have moved on. And there are a lot of people who are still stuck in that. If you're one of those people, uh, there's a faster way to get the results that you want and move past this depression, anxiety stuff by starting with the foundation of your, of your genetics, your DNA. Once we understand your genetic landscape, your DNA landscape, uh, we can then put a plan in place to correct those imbalances that are there. Now, clinically, I see people who struggle in areas like this get results in days or weeks instead of months or years. So if you're interested in knowing more about that, message me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Brian G. Brown, and I'll be glad to show you what I'm talking about and discuss how you can get your brain back on track. And if you're the self-starter type uh, person who who just wants to kind of go it alone, you're curious about DNA profiling and what that even looks like, um, and you want to take steps towards going deeper in, in your healing journey, I've got the perfect solution for you. I created um, a self-paced program to walk you through it. It's called the Gene Hack Bootcamp. And you can subscribe to that for free right now at drbriangbrown.com forward slash gene hack forward slash bootcamp. So that's all I got for today. Um, thanks for joining me. Sorry I was a little bit late, but hey, we're here. We got it. We we got we got got this information out there, which I think is critically important. So tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next In the Zone segment where I'll be sharing um, the latest research and my thoughts about that research as it relates to optimizing your brain performance and optimizing your genetics, optimizing your body uh, on your on your own personal wellness journey. Most informed, most trusted and most grateful that you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown. Yeah.